climbed trails, like, so, yeah, it was totally an aesthetic thing, and it's crazy how other people can convince you that you are not what you should be. Welcome back to the next episode of the Trail Running Women podcast, where we hear from women, sometimes men, mostly runners, sometimes road runners, occasional triathlon, today an obstacle course racer, but the common theme is they're just regular people who've done some badass shit and everybody has a really wicked story. And I say that because I always get people to write me a bit of a bio before we interview. And usually they're like, my story really sucks. I'm not very interesting. And then they are super interesting because people in general are interesting. Everybody's got crazy shit going on. I just got a puppy. That's my crazy shit. Um, I got to run with one of our podcast guests that comes out in a couple of weeks, Lindsay. She was so cool to meet in person, and we had a nice little jog. And she's um, going to be at Finless and Arm doing the 28K, where it will be my second day, and I'll see her for probably three to six seconds, and then she'll take off and run fast. So that was cool. Today's guest is Amber, and this is another weight loss story that is more about the realization that she liked the things that she can do. And she cares about health and races and having fun, but for some reason thought she needed to be a different size because of societal pressure and sort of coming to that realization and that her weight loss attempts didn't work because that was why. And then when she just focused on racing and doing fun things, she just kind of settled into a healthier place and maybe the size doesn't correlate with that or matter with that. It's more just that she felt better and then her body changed to be what would help her run the best. Um, But that her attitude towards herself like wouldn't have mattered either way, I think was the moral, which was cool. Um, Okay, let me leave it at that for now for this one. Oh, I want to thank everybody who's on Patreon and leaving reviews and someone did reach out and wanted me to interview someone from Badwater and I saw the message and then got sidetracked and I didn't respond yet, but I will respond to you. So keep finding, 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 finding me on Instagram at hillsport55. Okay, bye. All right, I'm here today with Amber Nelson. I think you're our first Amber, actually. Uh, and we were chatting online, and she was telling me a bit about her story. And it looks like you have a pretty amazing and inspirational story to tell us. So I'm really excited that you took the time to join me today. So welcome to the show, Amber. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, let's start off with the basics. Where are you from? How old are you now? And uh, what do you do? So I am from um, Idaho. Born and raised here. I was born and raised in a small mountain town, but I live in Boise, so the bigger area now. Um, I'm 31 and currently working on my PhD in social psychology, and then I do a little bit of like freelance writing for um, a running website, and I oh, cool. do behavioral intervention with kids with special needs, which I've been doing that since like 2013. So that's my main gig. Well, you have a PhD in social psychology. That's pretty impressive. Working on it. Not quite there, but almost. I'm amazed at how many PhD either candidates or full PhD people I actually speak to. I I want, there's got to be some connection between like the drive to um, get fitter and have that be important and the discipline and being smart. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I wish that I would have started my PhD like 
now rather than several years ago because I would totally do it on like the social psychology of sport. Um, it's just crazy. How, like, Can you do another one? I would love to know that stuff. I mean, I could if I had some money. <laughs> There, is, there are like some uh, professors though that do um, specialize in that. And I even like ordered my own social psychology of sport textbook just to like self-learn after I'm done getting my actual degree. Cause I can kind of essentially do whatever I want um, afterwards. So uh, it would just be so interesting, like, and something to teach the next generation as they're sitting behind screens and everything. Right. Exactly. And like the camaraderie of sport, I think like that's what, how I got into it. And that is what a lot of what keeps me into it. So I want, you know, to know more about that and to like teach people like all the benefits of it. You know, that's one of the huge benefits, like, especially with, you know, the pandemic and everything, people have been so sad to not see their friends at races. Like that's one of the hardest parts. I think for people, some people are like, eh, I got over like, not racing, but I really miss my people. Mm-hmm. I think totally. it made me even more interested in that. But yeah, I can remember this is such a tangent. I've never started a podcast on such a random tangent, but <laughs> it's all relative. When I was in grade seven, we had to give a speech. Like you started learning about public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can remember my topic was the benefit of sports back when I was like 11, I don't remember what I said, but I know it had something to do with like not feeling guilty about eating ice cream. <laughs> not that that's why I do sports now, but I mean, that might be why I do sports now, but um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's get more into your story. So, um, you had another, we've had a few guests that have had some, uh, major weight loss stories, but one parallel that I'm kind of seeing, and I'm interested to see if that's yours too, um, is it, it becomes less about the weight and more about um, the actual ability to do these sports well. And like you said, the social side of it. Um, so I'm interested in hearing about your journey. So why don't you start with when you were a kid and um, where you were at relationship with um, exercise and sports then as well? So I grew up in a super small town, literally like a thousand people. And really the only thing to do there, I mean, I have like 30 kids in my graduating class. So 31, maybe. Um, it, it was small. So like I, I did grow up active. I grew up camping. There was a lake in town. I was always at the lake, riding my bike everywhere. I played basketball. I threw discus and shot put in track. And I went to state for discus once. Um, but I was still like always overweight. Um, I. I honestly, people like when I tell people about my weight loss, they're like, well, like what changed? Like, how did you get overweight? I'm like, I don't know. Like I drank a lot of Coke. I really don't know. I have no trauma, nothing crazy. Like I was just a chubby kid and I stayed that way even when I was active. Um, but yeah, so I, I played sports like in elementary and high school. I was never very good. I mean, not that you can't be good at sports when you're overweight, but it's hard to be like the best basketball player when you can't move your body very well. Um, but I always worked like super hard and there were times like going into high school, um, actually my freshman year, I didn't do any sports because I was terrified that, you know, like, uh, for football, they put the weight on the roster for the boys. For some reason, I was convinced that they would do that in all the sports. And so I literally just didn't play basketball my freshman year because I was like moving up to that high school level. And I thought that would happen. Um, oh my God, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. So it was, so yeah, that was, and then all my friends played like 
all my friends were into sports. I mean, basically everybody did because what else do you do in such a small town? Um, so I, I didn't play. And then when I did play basketball, I, I always got like kind of discouraged. Like, I feel like I always tried super hard. Um, like I remember literally like lapping girls when we were doing sprints for basketball in the gym who are like way smaller than me. And I was always like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why am I faster than you? But I just tried hard all the time. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I was always overweight and, uh, I, I guess I never like, sorry, my dogs are literally following me and trying to escape the running around me. Um, anyway, so I, yeah, I don't know. Eventually I, even though I was, I guess, impact me a lot. Like I was still happy. I lived a life, enjoyed myself. And, um, I, I guess I didn't really, I don't know that I really cared until I went to college. I feel like I noticed more because I wasn't in my normal group of friends. Um, I was like meeting new people and especially with dating and stuff, I started to feel like my weight was more of an issue. Um, so of course I like, you know, a couple of different times I was like, Oh, let me just do this. Like crash low carb diet. I do it for like a month, lose 10 pounds try to restrict myself and it never really like worked out. But back then it was always like, you know, try to lose weight to look good. Um, so yeah, in 2011, my first nephew was going to be born. And for some reason I was like, I want to be like my sister-in-law's sisters were all thin. And I was like, I want to be, you know, the fit, healthy aunt too. So I went low carb, lost a hundred pounds, but I never, like got into the exercise component of it. Like I would go to planet fitness and go on the elliptical for like an hour, but I was never like, Oh, I love this. So I lost hundred pounds and I gained it all back. Sorry. I'm trying to let me fast track this. I gained it all back because it was for aesthetic reasons. Um, I never under like really understood how to eat healthy. I never understood like what physical activity could do for me. So like fast forward to 2016, um, I decided I wanted to lose weight again. I don't really remember if it was for aesthetic purposes, like at that point, but I did decide to get a personal trainer. And then, um, I think that that, that's what like changed things for me at a super good relationship with my trainer. And it wasn't, it was just me and him like one-on-one and it, um, it, it was challenging and I liked like showing up there every day and having somebody give me, you know, a pat on the back and be nice to me and tell me good job because I feel like I kind of missed out on that in high school sports. Um, so yeah, it took me about, um, a year to lose a hundred pounds. And, um, when I was pretty close to hitting my goal, my personal trainer, my one-on-one trainer was moving. So I found this group training gym that was training for, um, a Spartan race and I joined them. And, um, that's when things really, I think changed for me because it was a group training gym and I discovered that I was competitive and I did my first Spartan race and I kept showing up to that gym for, uh, like three years, um, and always competing against other people. And I don't think I ever really realized that I had a competitive side and that I enjoyed suffering in a physical way as far as, um, sports. So that's kind of the, the short story of it. Um, not too short, but long story short. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's just something interesting there that 
maybe shouldn't be looked over was like, cause that's the kind of message that we try to have in this podcast. And we did a body image episode as well. Um, that you were running faster and you, the weight didn't bother you. Like you were fine. So who's to say you were overweight because obviously you were still exercising and a healthy person on the inside. And it wasn't until you got to a place where like society said that you should be bothered by the weight that you felt that you needed to lose it. Like, I just think that's so interesting. Yeah. I think that's totally, you know, totally accurate. Um, in while I was overweight in, um, high school, I wouldn't say like looking back at pictures, I was like, oh, I look kind of average, but back then it didn't seem average back then. You didn't have plus size stores. Like it was hard to find clothes that fit even in, even when I started losing weight in like 2016, like I couldn't go to Victoria's secret and just like buy a pair of sweats like all my friends did, you know? And now it's like everywhere. Like it's so, it's easy to be like a typical woman now. I mean, I, I did come college, um, and like lifestyle changes and stuff. I did get to a point where it was a little more like unhealthy, I think, but it didn't start out that, that way. I think like for so long, I was just like pretty average, but yeah. And, and I don't know if it was like a result of like feeling like I was overweight. So I may as well just like eat and do whatever I want anyway, because like I may as well fit the stereotype people are giving me. It, yeah. Because it, it didn't affect me. Like I always look back and I'm like, I rode bikes like my friends. I played sports like my friends. Like I, I was like 14 and worked for the four service and climbed trails. Like, so yeah, it was totally an aesthetic thing. And it, it's crazy how other people can convince you that you are not what you should be. If you could go back to that time now, would you do anything differently or that first time that you lost the weight that was just sounds like, you know, just cutting calories, which we know isn't a sustainable Mm -hmm. thing anyways. um, What would you do different now knowing what you know? Um, So much because I think the second time I did everything that I would have done differently. Um, I, I think like I was just I would educate myself and I think I just didn't have the maturity. I was what, like 21 back then, I think. Um, and I didn't, I mean, I'm still working on my undergrad and I just like, didn't understand how to look up facts. Like this is literally how ridiculous it was. I would, I was a nanny at the time and I would get off work and I would go to planet fitness and I would get on the elliptical and I would watch like Dr. Oz for like an hour on the elliptical. And then he'd be like, Oh, here's this like, you know, apple cider vinegar diet. Here's this diet. Here's that. And I just took that and I was like, okay, I'll try that cabbage soup diet. Did that. Like I would just pick up all these trends because back then I I think my education has made a huge difference. Like I don't just go to Google for everything. I go to Google scholar because I know how to do that. Like the average person first off doesn't always have access to, you know, academic articles, but that's what like I like to look up like real research and um like even the second time losing the weight I don't think that that's you know how it started but as an athlete now I'm like always doing that I'm always like oh well I heard this works I'm gonna go see if there is a sign like actual science behind this um but I yeah that first time I I just don't think I had had like the education or the maturity to lose weight the appropriate way. And I didn't have like some type of sport or something that was motivating me. And even if I did at that age, like even if I would have found Spartan racing at that time or something, I'm not so sure that I would have been able to 
grab onto it the way I did now. Like I'm actually kind of glad that I found it now later in life because I don't know that I would have stayed with it back then, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. I think you have to have, you have to be in the right place because it takes a lot of your life to do the things that we want to do well. Like they're not things that you can kind of just like, it's not the same as just enjoying a spin class twice a week, right? Like you have to have a bit more thought. Yeah. Back then, I don't know that I would have been in a place like where I am now where I'm like, you know, I enjoy, I I think at like 21 years old, you have so many other complicated things going on in your life, like heartbreak and school and like, so maybe why would you throw yourself into like the suffering of a hard race? I mean, I know there's a lot of young athletes and stuff that do that. But for me at that time, I like, I think now I'm like, there's going to be suffering in life. I would rather have control over it. Um, and kind of throw myself into these things and challenge myself. But at that time, I think I felt like I had a lot of other challenges. So why would I add something more to my plate? Like I remember around that, uh, the time of my first weight loss, my roommate's boyfriend actually was doing a tough mutter and I kind of like looked into it when he was talking about it and I was like, why would you do that? That looks literally so hard. I would never do that. And now here I am. And that's like my favorite thing is doing obstacle course races. So, um, yeah, I think the men- the mentality behind it is is such a key component um, between behind losing weight, getting fit, and just like competing in sport. And I just I wouldn't have been ready for it back then. I don't think. And I don't want to dwell on this part too much, but I do think it's interesting. Um, just from some of the things that you said, what did you change nutrition wise when you did it properly the next time? And let me just preface this was part of the reason that I want to ask that question is, and I just talked about this with a a functional um, training specialist as well, is that we're still getting these messages from society. We know how powerful they are from like the story that you've already told that in order to lose weight, you have to train more and eat less. And nobody that makes a transformation has done that because that's not how it works. Um, you just get yourself into a deficit and you slow down your metabolism and it bounces back and all of these things. And it's not healthy. And it's kind of like, it annoys me because now we have these new things coming out. Like I shouldn't say them by name, but you've probably seen it. It rhymes with moon. Um, that are like just another version of like what Weight Watchers does, which is like put in your activity level and these are your points. And if you want to lose more weight, you have to start eating less. And like, that seems to be the messaging that everybody still gets. So can you say from experience what you did change that worked that has allowed you to stay kind of healthy and mentally happy at this point? So it's funny that you mentioned that app because that app was my life during my first weight loss. I did no way. I did low carb, but I also downloaded oh that app. Like I can see the whole I track my weight and everything so I can go back and like look at all that. But I was doing low carb and then I also um which now is keto and cool and you can find low carb things everywhere and it was very hard to be low carb back then. Um so that that's what I did the first time which was not sustainable because I ate carbs and then I blew back up. Um but I did start using that app and, um, back then it wasn't like as fancy as it is now, but then I also got into counting calories. So I was like trying to eat low carb and eat 1200 calories. So low cat, like low fat, low carb, 
low calorie, like I don't even know how I function. And like, no wonder I didn't really like working out because it was really hard when I had no energy. And I actually like look back at pictures of myself at the same way I am now. And I look crazy different. Like I don't look the same at all. I look so unhealthy at the same weight back then. Um, but so the second time I actually, again, jumped on the low carb wagon. So I wouldn't even necessarily say that my the way I lost this weight wasn't necessarily healthy, but it's the way I've learned to maintain it. Um, I think that has become the more healthy part. Um, I did eat low carb for about, I think, nine months, and that's how I lost about 60 pounds. And then I decided that, like, I was working out with that trainer, and I was like, I have no energy. Like, I can't really do anything. Let me try counting calories. And I did. Um, I went, I think I used, like, Fitbit app back then to count them. And I went on Pinterest and I was like, 1200 calorie diet. Cool. That looks like a good idea. So I was doing that. And then I started plateauing actually. And I hadn't talked to my trainer really like about eating and stuff. And, um, he was like, Oh, you're kind of stalling. And I was like, well, I don't get why I'm eating 1200 calories. And he was like mortified. He's like, what in the heck? Why? Like, why are you doing that? And I didn't really realize at the time that like that was bad. And so we had talk about it. And I think that's when I kind of started researching, but I still got in this like addicted to calorie counting thing. Um, I tracked everything for a really long time. So that was like maybe January, 2017. And I kept tracking really until probably June, 2019 when I switched to a Garmin watch and I got my now running coach. and, and I still, I mean, I wasn't always eating 12, 1200 calories, um, by any means I, I was tracking to try to like just be in a deficit and I slowly like chipped off that deficit. But I think it took me years to understand that in order to do the things I wanted, I needed to eat more. And it was honestly my now coach, um, coach and good friend who taught me that, um, I got a Garmin watch instead of a Fitbit. And I had literally like a panic attack, major anxiety over the change. I was like telling her, I I don't know, like I want this watch, you have it. And I know it's like good for running and I need it for stuff. But like, how am I going to track my calories? I I need to be able to track my calories. I'm going to get fat again. And she was like, what? You're not eating to lose weight. You're eating because you're an athlete. Like you can't eat like fat, like you think you're a fat person. You have to eat like you think you're an athlete. And I, I that really like blew my mind. It's like, what do you mean? And she's like, you, you have to get like, get this out of your mind. And nobody had really ever like said that to me because I mean, why would they? I hadn't really had that conversation. And, um, you know, she had done high school track and stuff and like, or high school and college track and really been in that community, which I've come later to learn a lot more about like the EDs and stuff in those communities. And, um, so she said that to me and it was really, really hard to let go of the tracking, but I let go of it and I just ate when I was hungry and, um, I started to perform better and feel better. And it was amazing how much better I felt in all of my workouts. And, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I still didn't struggle every now and then, uh, like right now my training volume is pretty high and, um, I'm, feeling like hungrier. And sometimes I'm like, I feel like I'm eating everything. And I do have to check in with myself and say, yeah, you feel like you're eating everything because you need to eat everything because you're running a lot right now and it's hot outside. Um, so those are, I still really have to check in with myself on that. Um, 
I think being part of like the running community and listening to like a lot of the ladies, like on your podcast talk and other podcasts I listen to is super helpful. Um, but it, it's, it's taken time. Like I live off of carbs now. I'm literally, I have no idea how I ever survived without them. Um, and, and it's hard to like hear everybody talk about keto and, um, you know, not want to like say like, oh, you know, I, I, like when I ate keto, I felt like I couldn't do anything because I had no energy. And, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't really know if that answers the question, but it's been a long journey and I wouldn't say that I'm, um, I, I wouldn't say that I ever really had an eating disorder, but I definitely had unhealthy relationships with food, like addiction to tracking. And every now and then, like the beginning of the season, after I had my first race in February, I was like, I feel kind of fluffy. I need to cut. And then I was like, I tried tracking calories for like two days. And I was like, no, thanks. I'm good. I don't need this anymore. Like, I don't like the way it makes me feel. Um, I just need to listen to my body. And I I think for most people who've ever actively tried to lose weight, I don't know how, honestly, that that would ever not be like something to have to check in with yourself about. Um, Because I I find that I still, maybe years down the road. I mean, I don't ever really doubt like when I'm hungry, I'm not like, okay, like I need to track this. Am I allowed to eat this? Yes, I check in with myself. I'm like, oh, I have a big run tomorrow. Maybe I shouldn't eat like everything at this barbecue tonight because I don't want to barf. But um, it's not usually like, oh, I shouldn't eat this because my running shorts might fit tight tomorrow. Um, I mean, everybody still cares sometimes what they look like. Right. But yeah. You said so many things there. I was like frantically trying to like jot down things I wanted to say because yeah, like this is, this is the thing that keeps happening for people and why I guess these conversations are important. Like everything you just said there, you know, that you have to fuel your body to do the things that you want to do. Like um, that, like that is just so obvious. And it's still in the back of your mind, that fear of like, Oh, but I can't eat this much or whatever was like ingrained to us. It's so hard to break that habit. So I just think it's amazing to hear, like, even when you've experienced it firsthand that you feel better, you run better and that your body responds better because it's not in panic mode to hold on to all of your 1200 calories. Um, and I still like, I, I don't know if you're in any of the like running groups on Facebook, you still get people that are like, oh, I'm only eating 1200 calories a day and I don't seem to be losing any weight. Like what's wrong? And I'm running 60 miles a week. And you're just like, ah, it just makes you crazy. So I love that you're just out there kind of sharing your story of like, it's okay that that is mentally challenging, but it's not going to work. Um, and so it sounds really like you had a great coach to kind of walk you through it too. So um, thank you for sharing all those things. I think those are just that's kind of what I was hoping you were going to say, to be honest, was um, that type of mental transformation, I guess. And I think that's what everybody is trying to do. And I think it's escalated in our sport as well as obstacle course training, because like you mentioned as well, the amount of food that we need and the amount of hunger we feel is different from anything. Um, Like there's a reason bodybuilders don't do a bunch of cardio because lifting weights doesn't leave you in this like total calorie depletion. But, um, you end up just being like, if I want to do the things I love, like I just have to eat this much. So it's kind of a fast track to being okay with what you have to do. 
I found it again, actually, this is another random tangent after when I was breastfeeding and running that much, because now you're like double calories going and you just have to be like, find a way to get in calorie dense food all the time and just be okay with it. So let's get more into your, um, your competitive history and the races that you're doing and everything. So, um, I guess let's start with your first obstacle course race or first running race and, uh, and how that went for you. So that was in June of 2017. So I just had my, what it would be four year anniversary of it. Um, yeah, so I had signed up with the group training gym and I had not like done any running since probably college or I mean high school sports. Um, I guess I did like a color run or something before when I lost weight, but, um, so I signed up and I went to this gym and started training and, um, we would have like, we do, I guess like simulation workouts where you do monkey bars and then you'd run up and down, um, the sidewalk and then you'd run back. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to run. Like, okay, let me, let me go try this. And then I, I remember like in high school, I never, I, even then I like, I never wanted to be last. And so I would work so hard. And so I would just try to pass everybody in those things. And I remember this guy, uh, his name was Andy, nice, nicest guy. And he was like, Oh, you're fast. And I was like shocked. Even when I worked out with my trainer, like my one-on-one trainer, I didn't do any like running. We just did weights and he called me fast and I was like, what? And so that got me super excited. But, um, then eventually we went down and we did like, uh, this little like outdoor Spartan race simulation on the trails. And I wanted to barf that day when I was going to show up and do this simulation. It was going to be a few miles. And I was like, I I can't, like, I almost did literally did not show up because we would like run up this hill, run down, do monkey bars, run around the hill, do a bucket carry. And it like after that, um, cause that was a simulation of the actual race. I'm like, okay, this is like, either I'm going to decide that I'm not doing this race or I'm going to love it. And I wanted to die every second of it. It was horrible and terrible. And then I finished and I was like, this is the best. Like, that was amazing. I didn't know I could, I literally didn't know I could run. Um, and so then a few weeks later I did the race and we signed up like as a team and the idea was kind of like, okay, we're all, you know, going to go through in the open way as a team and help each other. And they said, go. And I went. Like I did not want to wait for anybody. I didn't want to stay with my team. I just went and I needed help on like every obstacle, every wall I needed a boost over. I fell off of every like hanging obstacle. I did a billion burpees and I still, I think I finished like 10th in my age group in the open wave. And at the time that felt super cool, even though, I mean, I def I followed all the rules, even though, well, all the rules aside from like getting help. So I did like all my burpees and everything, but I did get help over. But at the time I was like, Oh, I did so good. Like I got 10th in my age group. Um, and so I got super excited about it. But at the time, like those races were really expensive and I just did not have the finances to do more that year. So I had to wait all the way. So that was my local race. It was about 45 minutes away. So, um, I had to wait until the next year, June, 2018 to do that local race again. And again, I signed up for the open wave and, um, did the same thing, needed help on everything. Didn't want to stay with my team. Just like ran my own race, ran as hard as I could. 
cut some time off. Now I know that like all those races are set up differently and all the like mileage is always different. So it's not really comparative, but it felt super cool to me at the time. And I think I got like 10th or 11th in my open age group again. Um, and then the, I like my teammates or my gym mates at the time were signing up for the Utah race and everybody started talking about the trifecta, which for Spartan, that's doing the 5k, 10k and half marathon distance. Um, the distances have changed since then, but Um, so I signed up for the Utah race and all of my gym mates were like, it's so hot and miserable. Like you have to sign up for age group because you have to be able to go early because it's so hot. And so I did. And then when you sign up, it says like, are you willing to follow all the rules? Like you're going to be held accountable. And I'm a major rule follower. So I read the rule book and I was like, okay, I have to be able to do all these obstacles on my own. I went on YouTube. I found a video example of every single obstacle um, once the map had come out and I put them in order like on a YouTube playlist and I studied how to do all of them. I was like, I need to be able to get over all these walls on my own. I have to be able to do all this stuff without help. And I um, went to the race and I ran age group and I got 11th in my actual age group, like competitive following all the rules. I think I still did like, I don't even know, maybe hundred and. 80 burpees, maybe 210, a lot of burpees. And there were a lot of tears and it was miserable. Um, I hated it, but I loved it at the same time. And so I was like, okay, like maybe I'm good at this. Maybe I'm supposed to be here. Maybe the podium is for me. You don't have to look a certain way. Like I work really hard. And then if I keep working hard and I'd started doing like Saturday trail runs at this point, like maybe five to eight miles. Um, and Then I did a couple more races. I ended up on the podium once more for only the 5K distance because I um, had an obstacle problem. So I did a lot of burpees, but my running, even though I wasn't running a whole lot, kind of made up for the the lack in obstacle efficiency. So I got third place at another sprint in Seattle, and then I actually was able to qualify – for my, from my Utah race, my 11th place, it was a national series race. So I qualified for the world championship race in Tahoe, which was the most miserable experience of my life. Um, and that race was just under 14 miles, maybe like 4,400 feet of gain. And I, uh, it took me over five hours and I got 17th place. Um, it was awful, but it, uh, I feel like I learned a lot. A lot of people dropped out from like hypothermia because it was in the thirties and, um, there was literally like, it had snowed even though it was in September. Um, and I think that's when I really realized like, I'm strong, like mentally I'm strong. There's girls dropping like flies around me. People are like literally freezing, and I finished this. Like it took me five hours and 18 minutes and I cried more than once. I like there was a swim and it was 30 degrees, 30 something degrees. Like I was like, I did this, I can do anything. And at that point things really changed for me. Um, I asked my coach who I was training with just once a week as a personal trainer to start writing my run programming. Um, so she did. And we've been on a very like I like, I guess strict in a way schedule with running cross and cross training and stuff since October, 2019. And, um, into this season I have, I don't even know how many races I've done now, but, um, 
I just raced in Ohio and I did all three distances in a weekend and I was on the podium all three times. And then in Montana, I did all three distances and I was on, I got, uh, first, third and fourth. Um, so I think I've been just this season on the podium, let's see, three, four, five, six times. Um, and yeah, now I'm super focused on doing like the national series and hoping to be top three in that. And just like my mentality has changed so much. Like my training is very regimented and I really stick to the plan. And, um, I like, I kind of, kind of my new mantra for everything is that, um, like I can work harder than everybody around me. So that's just, or that I will, like, I will work harder than everybody around me. So I like that mantra. Totally. Yeah. Was this, were these podiums overall recently? Um, no. So sorry. I guess. So in Spartan, there's the, uh, Spartan racing. There is the elite, uh, field. I race age group. So there's elite age group and open. So I'm age group. So I guess that would be like the, there's like pro and then I guess, um, amateur, whatever it's competitive. You have to follow all the rules, but so that's for my age group 30 to 34. Um, there were, which is one of the toughest age groups too. I think that's when people kind of find their endurance stride, right? Yeah, it definitely is. Or typically, um, a lot of the girls in my, um, age group will be like top 10 overall of, of all age groups. And I had, I did have a couple of top 10 overall finishes. Um, and I think every race I've been top 15, um, female overall. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like it's just, um, having like actually running, it's crazy. What crazy, what an actual run program will do. Um, yes, (laughs) I did stop going to the group training when the pandemic hit for the pandemic reasons. And then I just had my coach write like some at home strength stuff for me. And so now I don't go to any other gym. Like she writes everything for me. Um, and I do run with her also sometimes. So she does my strength and cross training and, um, all my running programming. And cause I was just trying to do like too much. I was doing group training plus like the run programming she was doing for me. And I was so burnt out. Like I couldn't function. I couldn't go do this like heavy leg day on Wednesday and then go do a hard run. Um, more is not always better. It's yeah, I was always just like doing too much and I was too exhausted. And I honestly, at that time probably wasn't eating enough. Um, and that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Like it's such a, the whole, it has to be the whole package that, that comes together, right? Yeah. The, the eating, the programming and like, not only is my coach, my coach, she's also a good friend of mine and we travel to races together. And I mean, that's definitely like, you know, beneficial to have your coach also be your friend and, um, you know, I, I do race age group, but typically when I'm, you know, going to races and traveling with her and, and, you know, she's friends with all the other elite ladies and it's really cool to like see all of their mindset and all of them, like how different their lives are. And just like understanding that not everybody, not every athlete lives the same life to get the results that they get. I mean, you have women without children, you have women with children, you have women who train part-time, who train full-time. And it's just been really cool to get to know, um, you know, I have like my age group, you know, people like so many of us are so dedicated, like, and work so hard. And then, um, yeah. And then seeing like those ladies too, and like the way that their training might differ or even be the same as ours has been, um, really cool. So 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that you're you're so young. You're only 31 now, did you say? So you've got so much time to like kind of develop into the athlete that you can be too. So um that's super fun. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that. I'm hoping um that I can get my obstacle efficiency down a bit. I mean up a bit, I guess. I can become more efficient and <laughs> not have any I mean I'm like getting on the podium with multiple obstacle failures. Like the first place girl um, will fail nothing or maybe one thing. And I'm over here failing like four or five things and still getting second. So if I could not fail things, um, (laughs) I would not have to battle. Like I wouldn't have to work nearly as hard for second. And, you know, it's, I mean, and, and I'm working on that. A lot of that is so much confidence. Like I'm pretty confident in my running, but the moving my body through space is something I don't know if it is just because I was bigger my whole life. Like I'm just not super confident. So I'm working on that. And my hope is to move up to elite next year. I'm probably going to race one or two elite races this year. I did do one uh, in June, 2019, only cause I was in a wedding the same day of my local race. So I did elite. I got like 18th out of 25 or something, but, um, I, and I like, if I continue to be on the podium in my age group, I mean, that's really cool. I like podiums, but I also want to be challenged. So if it gets to the point where like, it's kind of always me and the same girls, um, and I'm not feeling as challenged, not saying I'm going to be on the podium every time. Of course you have good races and bad. Um, and it always depends on the competition because the races are all over the country. Like, you know, there's different competition at every race. I travel everywhere. Some people just stay local. Um, but I, you know, I think it would be really cool even to be top 10 or top 15 in elite or like, to me, that's just as cool as being on the podium in age group. So I am thinking like mid 2022, I'm probably going to jump up to age group and stay there. Um, it might just depend how this season ends up and like my outcome, um, in the national series and the North American championship. Unfortunately, worlds is in Abu Dhabi this year. And as much as I wanted to go, I don't really have an extra $5,000 hanging out. So I'm probably going to pass on that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Cause I was, you know, hoping to really see that through, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, it really would. Um, but then I probably would have zero money to race in 2022. So, I mean, if I happen to do, do you, do you have, are they all obstacle goals or do you have any trail running goals or long, just running goals to kind of, which would probably help transfer over into obstacle racing, racing as well? Um, not really. Cause I, um, I don't know. I just haven't, like I did do a virtual ultra last year, like 35 miles. And it was just on flat, like five mile loops around my coach's house. And it was the worst time ever. Um, I, I do have goals, I guess, um, down the road for some trail stuff right now. I, you know, I do like one, I travel like once a month to an obstacle course race. So honestly, I just don't really have the time for any, like just trail stuff. Um, there was one local one that's a new race that I was going to do. It's in an area, the area that I grew up in, but then they put a series race like the weekend before or after that. So I'm going to pass on that, but I would eventually like, I love listening to stories about ultras. Like I like your podcast, listening to those ladies, like trail running nation, love listening to like people talk about it, their experiences. And I love listening to all things like Western States 
Um, so one day, um, I, for some reason I've decided in my forties, um, I want to do like, I want to run a hundred miler. So my local or the town I grew up in is 75 miles from where I live now. And my big idea now is that eventually I want to run there and then bike back. So, um, I, I, for some reason decided I want to do that when I'm 40, but yeah, other than that, I don't, yeah. Trail wise, um, Spartan does have trail races and I've kind of, um, like I might go to a race in Portland, um, in August and if it doesn't get canceled the trail part, because they seem to keep trans like canceling those, maybe nobody's signing up. I'm not sure, but they like have a trail race the night before the 5k distance. So I was kind of thinking about that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's the reason I got into obstacle course racing. And I think into running was because you get breaks. Not like now I'm fine with running breaks. I literally just before I hopped on here, ran seven and a half miles up and down a one mile strip by my house. Like I wouldn't have never fathomed doing that even a year ago. Like no way I'm running seven and a half miles on a one mile strip. That sounds horrible. Now I, it doesn't bother me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like obstacle course racing because it's like you run, 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 and then you get a break. You run some more and you get a break. And the broken running, I think, is what helped me find the love of it. Um, but I, I definitely, like I go out and do 12-mile trail runs all the time. I haven't really done a lot of longer um, trail runs than like without obstacles over about 12 or maybe 13 miles. But um, I'm definitely interested in it. Like I, I really like the community and hearing about other people doing it. So I guess when I'm not so busy with Spartan racing, I will, it's just that the season is super long. Usually it goes from like February this year. It's literally February to December. It'll end in November for me. Cause I'm not going to worlds, but, um, yeah. So there's not a whole lot of time for just trails, but it is funny. My, my one-on-one trainer, the first trainer I have, he asked me my goals and I was like, I want to learn to love to run. And he was like, yeah, you can't, like, you can't just learn to love to run. You either like it or you don't. I still talk to him every now and then. I'm like, you told me I couldn't learn to love to run. That's- I was just going to say, that's such a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. I- you absolutely can learn to love it. Yeah. And it's different. Like, and I think the trails is like what made me love it. If you would have said like, go run around this track, I don't think I could have loved it. I, I like that kind of running now because I want to get faster. I, I like doing speed work. Um, I do like two long runs a week and two quality sessions. And I like, I don't mind that kind of stuff now, like on the track, but I don't think I would have ever liked to run if I didn't start on the trails and doing the broken running of having obstacles. Cause that's, and there's people like I have friends who are like, no, I hate running. I'm like, but come with me, like in the hills, like come do two miles. Totally right. It's like, different. It's That's super interesting about the the pauses. That's a really cool, a cool way of looking at it too. And I actually think that kind of goes with everything we say in long distance running too, which is like the mental side of saying I'm going to go run ten miles is like exhausting. But if you're like I'm going to go run one mile, and then you get a break, and then you get to like reset your brain as well. It becomes something that you can handle. So that's a really cool way of thinking of it. Um, we're almost running out of time here. So I do want to wrap up quick, but I have to ask the last question um, that I ask everybody at the end of one of your obstacle races, what is your favorite meal? Ah, it kind of depends. It's usually a burger or pizza. Um, a lot of times I have pizza the night before. So I want that cold pizza, like literally right after <laughs> like get back 
Cold, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yes. A hot pizza at the end. I'm like, Bleh. yeah, cold, cold pizza. pizza. I can, I can drive that. Like immediately after if I feel like eating um typically cold pizza, I used to really like goldfish also. I haven't been doing that <laughs> as much lately, but that used to be my major thing that I would keep in my bag. Um, but usually that night I'm just super into like pub food, like a hamburger yeah. or a Philly cheesesteak and like fries. Fries. Um, fries and then I'm yeah. racing the next day because I, I'm usually doing back to back race weekends. Um, people are like, how are you going to eat that or run the next day? I'm like, I don't know. It's going to be fine. I'm going to get nervous and get it all out anyway the next day. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, the, the cold pizza immediately after, cause that's the quickest thing I can usually shove down my throat. Um, or, or a burger. Awesome. Well, I love that so much. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with us. If our listeners want to find more of you, do you have an Instagram or anything like that? I do. It's Amber May, uh, M-A-E underscore O-C-R. Or, okay. Yep. That's it. I'm like, I changed it like five oh. times. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll link to it too. So people just go to the show notes if, if it's easier to do that. So, um, Thank you so much again, and good luck on all of your races. I look forward to following along on Instagram and seeing how they all go for you. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers. Bye.